0: that we don't need to be in person to provide really personal touch.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Mutually Human podcast. On this podcast, our goal is to have casual yet meaningful discussions about how to make technology more human. As always, I'm here with the president of Mutually Human, Mark Van Holstein, but today is a special podcast because we have our very first guest with us here today, Welcome to Danielle Boheis. Did I get your last name right? You got it. That's All right. Not hard. It's it it's it's hard to say. It's spell it's pronounced so differently than it's spelled. It's true. All right, Danielle, welcome. Like I said, thank you very much for being our very first guest. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well,
0: born and raised here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, not too exciting. Um, you know, um, I was a former educator before I went into the business world and um, started at Become Unmistakable. So um, I have that background. Also have a master's in ed tech. So have a little bit of technology background in the education realm, but also as a tech specialist director at a local high school.
1: Um, Have three kids and a husband and uh, life is pretty good. Life's still pretty good uh, despite being trapped inside at the moment
0: you know um yes because the weather is finally turning
1: yes it was a good day good nice day out today um so we've worked with danielle for how long have we worked with danielle for mark
2: yeah it's got to be a couple last couple years for the most part
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think we were working with become unmistakable when you actually started there your first day um so we're familiar with become unmistakable but when you when somebody asks you what your organization does how do you describe but become become unmistakable to people
0: Um, So we uh, really have a a few different things that we offer. So we really focus on leadership development. So we have courses um, and a whole um, leader path that people can follow and and take and become, um, you know, really a right-brained leader, you know, focusing on people. Um, But we also have a software tool called UMAP. Um, So we really... Um, like to talk about how we honor the human in everyone. So, um, you know, goes really well with mutually human. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we really focus on the individual and um, how this individual can bring their whole selves to work and um, be honored in both the professional and personal way. So um, that's what we focus on as an organization.
1: I know BU is definitely focused on human connection like you just said, so i um, curious, during this this time that we're in right now, what are, what are things that you guys are doing as a team to make sure that you're staying connected with each other?
0: So we have been meeting, um, I mean we're always meeting and collaborating. Um, we're a, a smaller team, so that's kind of at the heart of what we do with everything, but um, we've really been using our own UMAP tool, um, something that we've built with you guys, um, to f- you know, foster deeper connection, even through this time. You know, we're learning a lot about people. We're, we're coming up with different ways to connect, even though we're not together physically. Um, and that has actually grown our team, uh, I would say, exponentially over the last few weeks of this quarantine stay-at-home business. So um, we just do different things. Like we did a BU Cribs the other day. Um, and Lori, I think we kind of spoke about this before. <laughs> Um, we took our like laptops around our houses and we did have a little bit of notice, but it was super authentic. Um, and we try to find things that are fun and, um, you know, connected and, you know, show people's real selves, um, as comfortable as they are with that, of course. Well, so, um, what was
2: the most interesting thing you found in someone's house from your little tours?
0: Um, okay. So we all, I don't know about that. I, um, I don't know. Rob's house is pretty cool because it has a lot of uh, features uh, that are really old and really cool, like architecture wise and like design wise. So that was cool. I don't know if we have anything like super weird, but we have been doing like BU happy hours too, where we um, find like the weirdest thing in our fridge um, or the (laughs) oldest thing. Someone had something from 1995. Oh Oh my my goodness. Yes. that's awesome. That, is, it's that 20, is
2: 25 years old. That is intense. Yes. What yeah. was so that? I can't, Do you remember?
0: It was baking soda. Pete um, uh, com- Yes, baking soda from it and, and obviously it had moved, moved with him from like house to house yeah. to house. So See, uh, that's
1: what I find crazy, because I can't compete with a 1995 date, but we did the same thing because we moved here to Grand Rapids in 2016, and yesterday I was looking for frosting, and I pulled out this frosting and it was from like 2006. And I was like, like you said, this means we moved this little jar of frosting to two different houses. Who packs yes. that up? <laughs> I know. So yeah, we've just been doing different stuff
0: like that. Really trying to be creative and use, um, you know, what we know about people and their comforts and and some of their fun, um, you know, characteristics. That really came from Brittany, who is a, um, she's our brand designer, but, um, she really is a pastry chef at heart. She went to Le Cordon Bleu. So like we were trying to think of different things to honor people on our team, so it was fun.
1: Very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about your role? I know since we've been working with you, your role has definitely shifted, grown, changed through the years. What what are you currently doing? What's your current focus at BU? So um, as always, I always um,
0: have a hand in the software development stuff that we do um, and try to manage that. Um, between you guys and um, Rob, one of the founders. So, um, and our team and just updating and keeping things current and fresh. So I do that. And then I also um, have moved into the client service role. Um, and we're trying to, of course, come up with an unmistakable name for that. Um, <laughs> but really developing that process, what it looks like taking care of our people, providing support in whatever way we can. Um, and I also support some of our training um, aspects that we do around the UMAP
1: tool and um, rollout in organizations. Okay. And, and one of the, the main topics we wanted to talk with you about, knowing that this is, this is part of your focus right now, is onboarding, training, and supporting users. So let's talk first about onboarding. What is your process right now at BU when you have new users and how are you onboarding those new users?
0: So, um, you know, it really depends on if they select training or not, but most people do um, just because of the nature of our software tool. Um, It's not about the ease of use because the tool is extremely easy to use. It's more about, um, you know, what lives behind that, why, the whys. So we like to make sure people are, um, you know, first welcomed with open arms. We usually send a handwritten Um, you know, note to onboard people. Um, I am always meeting with them either one-on-one or with one of our client advisors um, to answer any questions um, before that process starts, to guide them through that, the sign-up process, all that good stuff. Um, And then, of course, we send out training materials if they choose, you know, that, you know, they're not ready for training right now or they need to get a head start before training's available. And then, um, you know, they're always invited to attend training with us, and we've been doing those virtually. Um, even though we can't do it in person right now. So um, definitely just as effective. Um, So we do that and, uh, you know, that's kind of, and then we we send them on a path of, you know, sending out some some weekly emails and reminders and things to get started and tips and tricks. And, um, you know, we've got a manager's playbook. So we've got a lot of material that we offer and can um, set them up with so that they're feeling really successful from the
1: start. Good. What, what challenges have you seen as you, I'm sure you've learned a ton since you be began onboarding users. What are, what are some of the challenges you've seen or, or things you've learned along the way?
0: Um, I think always put your users first. And I think that we always have done that. Um, but really taking, a, really taking a, a look at how they experience it from the very first time that they see or touch or hear about your tool. Um, Through the whole process, through the whole onboarding process and beyond, um, making sure that they stay supported. And I don't know that there's been any specific challenges. Um, I think the one thing that um, COVID, this whole COVID thing has shown us is that, you know, we were really pushing users to try to come to us and be trained. Um, And, you know, we would do the one-off, you know, training, um, you know, for anyone who couldn't make it to one of those days. But what we've learned is Mm -hmm. we don't need to do that. Um, And I think that the biggest challenge was getting people to us and traveling from wherever. And now I think COVID has just exposed the fact that we don't need to be in person to provide really personalized, um, personal touch uh, training so I think that's the one challenge that it has brought
1: to light. And I don't know that we were seeing that challenge before. Yeah. What, what do you think was the, like, why did you feel like you needed to be in person? And what, what have you seen with the COVID that you, you are, have this revelation?
0: Because, you know, our product is really all about people. And so mm-hmm. having a personal connection and the personal interactions with one, one another, I, we find a high value. And I think that we still do. Um, But I think because Zoom and Skype and and Microsoft Teams and all those things are highly um, attainable uh, tools to use, we can do that just as easily. And actually, you know, we were running classes of this before, and we're actually able to address unique um, challenges or questions in a way that we weren't able to before. So I think... We struggled with thinking that it wasn't going to be as impactful or um, special. And I I don't feel that at all anymore after kind of being forced into
1: this. Mm -hmm. um, So question, how do you um, ride the bike virtually?
0: (laughs) We haven't done that virtually. Um, You know, that is interesting. That's a part of our, um, you know, unmistakable leader program and, I'm actually in the unmistakable leader program right now, and um, you know we're hoping to get back to the point where we're all together. Um, so that would definitely be something that we would save for an in-person meeting. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because I never tried to ride the bike. <laughs> you haven't tried it yet? Never. Well, no, because when I when we first like got the bike and everything, I was pregnant and I wasn't going to get on that thing. Oh yeah. And so then Michael tried it
1: right.
2: Yeah, I did. So, so Bu has this bike that they they've they've custom made so that the the front handlebars. You know, normally you turn the bike, the handlebars right, and you turn right, and you turn left, and you go left. And they've they've rigged it up such that when you turn right, the wheel turns left, and when you turn left, the wheel turns right. And so, you know, it sounds like okay, cool. Like I can I can make that switch. I know how to ride a bike. That's easy. I just need to turn the opposite way. No big deal. But your brain is so hardwired. To ride a bike the way you're supposed to ride a bike (laughs) that it is extraordinarily difficult uh to to ride a bike that does not not go the right way there's a there's a great video on youtube somewhere that we'll we'll add in the show notes Mm -hmm. that uh has a guy who like i i think he spent like weeks or months like training on this bike two weeks
0: two weeks Uh, actually it took him solid weeks (laughs) learning how to ride the bike the opposite way
2: yep and and he got pretty decent at it uh and I think what was funny is then he went he tried to go back to riding a bike normally yeah and that was a big struggle like he had rewired his brain to 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 ride this backwards bike and and now it took him some time to move back to a normal bike so that's no, great well, so, daniel one of the one of the things you talked about i think that's really good to point out here is like the, the onboarding, really any of these experiences in soft, for, for software tools, it's not just about the tool itself. It's mm-hmm. onboarding them as a customer. And there's a lot of touch points that they have with your organization. That's not just, here's where I go to the sign up form and fill in my information and, and get in and start using the tool. But it's how do I do that one-on-one training with folks? How do I do that? that connecting with support? How do I do all those other kinds of touch points that I, that I have with the software um, mm-hmm. that aren't just the tool itself?
1: Yeah, yeah and I, I, think, mean, I think what Danielle mentioned with the why too, like why is that important, right? And why, what value will that bring me if, if I engage with this tool? Yeah. All right, so speaking of training on a bike, let's talk about training um, with the UMAP tool. So, so what training materials do you have now?
0: Oh, we, we have all the, we have all the materials. So I Jody Daru, who is our director of learning. She is quite possibly one of the most amazing people that I've ever worked with. Um, you know, we really started um, working together and put training together in probably a month. Um, so she onboarded January of 2019 and within a month we were running our first training. And at that point um, we were really focusing on Um, you know, the user experience. How are we making things as easy as possible if people have a question? How do they know how to add users? How do they know how to do that kind of stuff? And then furthering the discovery into why are they asking me to fill this information out? Why do I need to, you know, tell them what my superpowers are? Why do they care what my best day is? So really trying to allow them to experience that within the training was also really important and, and making it interactive so that uh, enough so that they go back and they feel that they can do some of these things on their own, um, of course, with a guide. So, you know, we've got uh, a lot of different training materials and really they were all built with Microsoft Office tools that we didn't use. Um, any sort of design materials, except for, you know, we were talking earlier about InDesign. So um, they were pretty much, we didn't have a designer then. We didn't have Brittany, um, we didn't have a brand leader, none of that. So we did it all within Microsoft Office. And if you have a whiz on your team like Jody, she can literally <laughs> make anything look beautiful um, with very, you know, small amount of resources.
1: Um, you mentioned Jody being one of your favorite people. I assume it's she's like at least number like third on the list. Second I mean, to me yeah. and then Mark. Okay. Of, of I just, just want to make sure. Um, how did you and Jodi decide what to include and what not to include? Like what, what's the level of, level of depth in that training in those training materials? So really we wanted them to be able, so kind
0: of taking the bird's eye view approach of being a new client and not understanding the software. And Jodi had a really great perspective in that because she was actually a new user. So um, I I would definitely recommend having that perspective um, because when you live and breathe the tool or application or whatever you're using, it's really hard to see outside of that. So, um, you know, making sure we're including Everything to make it as easy as possible um, as a reference for these people to go back and see that, you know, we've we've covered this. um, You know, here's a little tip about this. Here's how you do this. You should start here. So we've included all of those types of things. Um, But then, um, you know, Jody and her background with training and development really knows a lot about how to build effective training and um, within the adult learning cycle. So you know, I would say that that's really, really impactful because um, if you've ever sat through something, I call them sit and gets. Um, when you do a sit and get and you don't have any interaction and you're not engaging in any sort of way, you're going to leave pretty, feeling pretty empty. So um, keeping those things in mind, people engaged, interactive, um, giving, equipping people with, uh, you know, activities and materials to leave and feel successful right when they get back to their workplace is gonna be super important.
1: What is the sit
0: and get? A sit and get, so that comes from the teaching world. Um, When I was a teacher, we would have professional development days and we would sit there and they would just tell us, tell all day long and you notes, you just take notes and then you leave and you've got all these sheets of paper that you never look at again. Um, Because you sat there all day completely unengaged, not talking to anyone around you, not connecting, um, not feeling or experiencing anything. And those are those are not formulating neural pathways in your brain, some of the brain science that goes along with our tool, um, to, to remember and keep that information. So mm-hmm. that's a sit and get.
2: How much of the training that you guys offer to your clients is – you know, in-person or Zoom, the sort of like one-on-one or or one-on-many group settings versus, you know, pre-recorded or or pre-developed documents that they consume on their own at their own pace?
0: Um, I would say 90% of our training is done through this type of fashion or in-person. We have very few people who just take the admin guides that we provide, you know, some of the material that we have that tells you how to do things. Um, we have very few people that don't engage in some fashion, um, in our original onboarding training or within our managers, um, teaching them to have performance conversations or leader or whatever. So very, very few people.
2: What about for the level down the actual, like all of the employees at the companies that you work with and their, their team members who actually fill out all the UMAPs, what kind of training or insights do they get from you guys?
0: So when we sit down with the admin um, or people in the software that are going to be using the um, account and mostly for our tool, it's HR people or, you know, champions and internal champions within the organization. um, We have trained during our training, trained those people to go back and be able to deliver this and have the material and the communication pieces um, and feel equipped enough to run this down the organization. Um, so that's kind of how it works on our end. So
1: almost a train the trainer model. Yeah. Awesome. Train the trainer. Train the trainer. <laughs> I love that. All right. Have there been any, else, any um,
2: I was gonna say, have there been any, anything that you've developed that you, uh, after getting out there and using it with people, you've said this doesn't, this doesn't actually work right. And we've had to like reverse course and try something else.
0: Um, in terms of training materials, yeah. So hmm, I'm gonna have to think about that a little bit more. Um, you know, we've we've revised our training to, um, based on feedback from others um, to try to make it more engaging. Or you know, people are wanting a little bit more instruction on this, so we've made things into activity cards that they can take and download. Um, okay. So I think we've learned a lot there in terms of what kinds of material people are looking for um, and what they're feeling either not as successful leaving with and training people. Um, so I think that we've developed a lot more material that they can either we can send them or send with them um, digitally so that they can use with their um, use end users.
2: Awesome. All
1: right so let's move move on to the third topic which is support. Um, so how do you how do you manage support in terms of your UMAP tool specifically? Um, well, it's a
0: beautiful thing, what we've done and how we've developed it, because really, um, support is managed by me right now, and, and that's it. So anyone that reaches out on support at they it, that email goes directly to my inbox. Um, you know, there's a few other people who are cross-trained in our organization, but um, I am the person, and um, the the simple way of getting, of answering the questions, um, our tool is built so I think so effectively that they really don't have many issues other than sometimes not knowing how to get their password if they're entering their email in incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of it is user error. Um, I think there may have been a few times when, um, you know, something wasn't maybe populating um, after on the UMAP, but um, it's been very few and far between. Honestly, I don't spend, I don't even think an hour a week supporting our tool. Do you think that going,
2: going into this process, you guys, what what was your expectation of what support would look like? Do you think that it's easier than you thought it'd be harder than you thought it'd be?
0: Um, Definitely easier. Um, You know, at first I was thinking that like, I'm not really sure how I'm going to support all these users that we're going to have on a frequent basis. I'm going to be spending all my time answering emails or being on the phone with them. Um, And in reality, you know, because the tool is so, Easy to use. We don't have a lot of issues. Um, it's very straightforward. They follow a path. They, I mean, it's pretty intuitive. Um, it's designed very well. So we don't have a lot of issues. So I would definitely say um, so much, so much simpler. Thank, thank goodness yeah. um, for that.
2: I think that's definitely an area where, where we hear a lot from customers of like, you know, uh, a, a lot of nervousness about like going into this building a product space. And, and being nervous about understanding like, how am I gonna support this thing? Like, what are mm-hmm. we gonna do? Are you guys gonna be there for us? Like, what if we run into trouble? Um, and I think that that is definitely a, a big scary part for a lot of people that are starting to build a product. Uh, so I think it, it's good to hear that it, it can be a pretty painless part of the whole process.
0: Yeah, I think it's just on how you, you know, you guys are great at kind of guiding us through that whole um, process in thinking about how the user needs to experience it in a really simplistic way um, so that it's easily understandable. And, and there have been things, Mark, that we've been yep. either, you know, in touch with on the phone or texting or email or whatever. So I never feel like I'm alone and I'm not an IT specialist, right? Like I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff, but I know enough to get users to a certain point before I say, hey, I need some help.
1: Yeah. yeah. So knowing that, that a lot of the customer support that you provide, some, some are things that you can help. Some have technical support needs. And like you said, you're not, a, you're not a developer. And Mark, I know you're on the front lines of that for Mutually Human. Can both of you kind of walk through how that relationship works from a, a support and technical support aspect?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for me, from my perception of it is is really just you know, I've got certain skills that I I know the tool can do or I know the process um, or i have learned from other types of problems that have been the same that I can help provide a level of support. Um, and at any point in time when I am stuck and I have no other things to try, um, simple email or text to Mark um, has been super effective. And you know, from your end, how does that work mark
2: yeah no from, from our end it's you know like you said it's it's you know we'll, we really you know provide you with an easy means to get a hold of me right like you can call me text me email me um and you know for the most part you know outside of me you know being tied up in a meeting or something you know i'll get back to you pretty quick um and and get our team looking at whatever the issue is and and solved and you know i would say you know i feel like 60 70 of the time that question is even just results in not any actual development work to do, but just a, an understanding of what's going on, mm-hmm. or uh, helping to find where someone put the wrong email in somewhere, or yeah. or things like that. Um, and so, you know, we just we just sort of try to make ourselves available to you uh, whenever you need, so that if you get to those things where you, sort of you're stuck and you're at the end of, of your knowledge or capabilities within the, in the system, we can can sort of peek, you know, peek behind the doors and behind the curtain and, and see what's going on.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Mark, from a technical standpoint and with support for BU and other clients what are what are what are some typical things that you see come through
2: yeah, I mean so you know a lot of uh, Danielle's alluded to it a little bit already, but a lot of what we'll see is people struggling to get accounts set up and connected and, and oftentimes I, I've, I swear it's got to be like eighty percent of the time like it's oh, someone has a typo in their email address, somebody or somewhere and nobody's noticed through like three or four different people and like, oh, okay, that, that's why we can't get this email to come through. Um, <laughs> or, or often too, you know, we some of BU's customers end up having uh, some pretty stringent rules in terms of their internal networks and email systems. Mm-hmm. And so getting emails to come through from a new, a new automated system can sometimes be a little bit of a chore, um, working with their IT directly to Get those email addresses whitelisted and things like that. Um, so that that can be a little bit of a pain. I mean, I I, I have to guess that like ninety percent of the issues will revolve around some of the some of the email pieces, and the vast majority of them, at least that come all the way to us, um, are, are that are email related.
1: For sure, I would one hundred percent agree with that. Danielle so overall looking back at onboarding and and training and supporting your users what is there anything that you wish you would have known before you started this role?
0: That's a really um, introspective question um, when I think about that and I think um, you don't know what you don't know and that's always going to be the case but I think um, you know, with a little bit of uh, thinking, you know, forward thinking and planning. And um, I think over planning is is always better than not planning enough. So I think that when you are, um, you know, developing being maybe a little bit, um, uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for right now, but really thinking about how you can provide the best support, the best material, the best, everything, plan ahead, Um, you know, over plan for trainings, Um, make sure that you're providing the, um, you know, utmost care for your clients and and as high touch as of of an experience as that can be, I think, you know, can create raving fans for your organization. So um, I don't know that there's something that I wish I knew before, because I think you can always look back and think, oh, I didn't know that, so I wouldn't have known how to handle X, Y, or Z, but really having a, um, your wits about you in terms of you know that the problem is going to get solved. Um, you know, It's all a learning process along the way. I think that's going to be the mindset to take.
1: What's something that you're really proud of, either, either that you've done or your company has done in terms of the space of onboarding, um, training, and support? And I, know, I know part of it's that human touch uh, but is there, is there anything else that you're really proud of as an organization or as an individual?
0: I think that our, our, um, our way of trying to make things as unmistakable and different from other people's experiences as possible is probably the thing that I'm most proud of. And it's, it doesn't have to be a super um, costly way of doing something. It can literally be a, a handwritten note at a really, um, you know inopportune time or a time where you are doubting whether or not this client is, you know, considering you still or not or whatever it might be. Um, you know, we've had a, a number of things happen during sales processes like, oh, someone's like, oh, you know, this just happened and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get to you. I couldn't get back to you. So, you know, we've sent flowers to people. We've um, sent, you know, Starbucks gift cards to people after, you know, as a thank you because that's on your map. So, I think just putting that spin on things is something that we do really well and I think that it, it does make us stand out.
2: Awesome, well thanks a lot Danielle for joining us. I really appreciate it and telling us a little bit about what you guys do there. Um, if anyone listening has any needs for uh, building their own software or has existing software tools that they've been using and supporting and, and it's not as uh, easy and simple as Danielle makes it seem to be, you know, get in touch, <laughs> we're happy to, to help out. Um, you can schedule a free consultation on our website or just email me mark at mutuallyhuman.com and we're always happy to help thanks a lot everyone
1: thank you
0: thank you